Hello everyone, and welcome back to The Other Castle. The Other Castle, I'm Tom. No, I'm Tom. And I'm Andrea. You're Andrea. <laughs> and I like to keep you on your toes, that's our dynamic. <laughs> well, it is a two-for-one special here on The Other Castle. Especially with this episode, because today we're doing Pokemon's first gen, Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, and like kind of Pokemon Green, so I guess it's a three-for-one, but, okay. you know, as an American. I'm sure you'll <laughs> explain that where Pokemon Green comes into the play. Oh, yeah. You know where the green comes into play. So this week on The Other Castle, we are doing the plot, lore, and more behind, like I said, the first gen of Pokemon. Pokemon. Uh, this is a series that, like, it came out when I was a kid, but I missed it entirely. I have two Pokemon tattoos. <laughs> only two? Do I only have two? Do I have more than that? I don't know. You've got a lot of tattoos. I might have more than that. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Okay. You know how I'm, an, I'm like a dumbass? <laughs> You're a doodle pad. I'm a doodle pad, yeah. I truly have no idea how many tattoos I have <laughs> at this point. I just know it's probably more than half my body. Don't ask her how many hearts are tattooed on her body. I was just going to say, you keep making fun of me because I accidentally keep getting heart tattoos. I look like a fucking trapper keeper. <laughs> <laughs> but part of that trapper keeper are two Pokemon tattoos. I'll let you guess which ones they are. Or we'll put it on our Instagram. Yeah. Oh, I was giving a, a pregnant pause to let people guess and I would reveal. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'll probably just throw them up on the gram. I'm also checking right now to see how many I have just in case. And I definitely see two. Okay. So if there's any other ones that are behind me. I also have two Mario tattoos now from the Mario world. But that's a different one. I don't know how we would do Mario Party on this show, but that'd be funny. That's I, I don't know that there's a storyline to Mario Party. I'm, I gotta. Say Can that. we make it up? <laughs> Do we have any creative license with the lore behind games? I, I don't think so, honey. I'm so sorry to okay, say. Okay, guys. Some of you have been emailing us about games you want to see us play. Like we mentioned last week, we do have a bunch of games coming up for the season, mm -hmm. and if you want us to make one up, I'm so down to get weird <laughs> with it. At that point, I think, honestly, I just reach out and say, does anybody know how to design a game? We'll just make one. We'll just make one. Yeah. Uh, are we manifesting? What's yeah. happening? Let's start manifesting this shit. All right. We, I mean, we manifested a con appearance. A so. con appearance. A con appearance. A salad. <gasps> we did win a salad. <laughs> if you haven't caught last week's episode, we did win a salad contest. And it's as insane as it sounds. It's also very hearty, and I have eaten three since they've come out. It's They're true. so good. Tom eats much healthier than I do. I, <laughs> like, like I said, I am a child. I am covered in doodles. I look like a notebook, <laughs> and I like creamy stuff, and I love garlic, man. Uh, so, you know, there's some kale in that salad just to balance that part out. But anyway... Let's talk about the Pokemon green and not the salad greens. Okay. Did you like that? That was a good segue. <laughs> right. I like that. So on the other castle, we do the plot lore and more behind some of your favorite games and some of your next favorite games. This is absolutely my origin story game. This is when I fell down the fucking cave and the bats attacked me. This is my fucking first video game I ever played. You know what's really fascinating is this season, we actually have like two origin story games for you coming up. I rebooted at yeah. one point. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, though, in a, in a lot of ways for you. Like you uh, you had your original gaming experience with Pokemon and stuff, yeah. and then you, you dropped off, and then you came back in with uh, with another one that's coming up later. Yeah, and I'm getting there. And it's it's been very fun. I cannot tell you how many times I've played this game because as a kid... I got a Game Boy Color. It was pink because my parents did not understand me. 
And I had Pokemon Blue, very first game cartridge I ever owned, first console, first everything. Oh. And I would beat that and I would just turn it over and play again. I was so young, it genuinely taught me how to read quickly. Like, oh, wow. I was so young when I was playing these, it really, the repetition helped me learn reading quickly and like going through text and honestly some math. If I was like, if I have four HP points, I know that I can take one tackle or whatever. <laughs> so genuinely gave me some motor skills, some life skills. Pokemon was the shit and still is. Again, two Pokemon tattoos. <laughs> right. And like to think that what year did this come out? Well, Pokemon Red and Green were released in 1996 in Japan, and then Red and Blue were released in 1998 in Australia and North America, and then in Europe, it came out in 1999. So between 96 to 99, the world got their first taste of the Pokemon games. And it's still a juggernaut today. It's still a fucking juggernaut. They still keep re-releasing it. Like, <laughs> I think it was 2017 when they did Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee, which was the Switch iteration. And it's basically the same story with, you know, kind of ground up changes. Not in the same way Last of Us Part 1 is getting its ground up, but it's... You know, it's for this next generation, which is kind of cool. It's the Gen Z version. I do believe it is the most profitable franchise in existence, too. Or like the highest grossing or something. Like it beats out Mickey Mouse. It beats out Mario. It beats out everybody. I would believe that to be real because Pokemon does have so many different mediums. So like obviously video games, uh, anime, manga, trading card game. And then the merch is insane. There are literal Pokemon stores True. called the Poke Centers all over the world. Um, when I was in New York a couple of years ago, where I got you all those fun Nintendo shirts that yeah. you're still rocking because they're so fucking cool. There is a whole section of just Pokemon. It's fucking great. Man, Pikachu is going to be in a couple of years one of those things where kids recognize him more than Jesus. Oh, that's wild. Do you remember that study they did yeah. with the McDonald's clown where they're like, more kids recognize him than Jesus, which yeah. like... First of all, you don't know what Jesus looked like. They didn't have cameras. Calm down. <laughs> this is an artist's interpretation that a bunch of people societally came together and agreed on. So first of all, sit down. But second of all, I truly believe Pikachu is up there on that list. Yeah, Because he's so cute. <laughs> so as you mentioned, huge thing. Across the first gen of Pokemon, this title, and when I say first gen, I'm going to include red and blue and green. Just while they're different skews, it's the same fucking game. Uh, <laughs> is it the same 151 uh, Pokemon? It's That is the same group that we're dealing with, yes. Okay. And the, also the plot is exactly the same. Okay. So just very slight differences. Now, as an outsider, just real quick, is, am I also to understand that this is also basically going to cover like the next five Pokemon games as well because the story does like remain the same for the most part? <sighs> you fucking casual. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was so aggressive. No, I mean, you know, this is where I started to fall off from the main series. There's one game where you open fucking wormholes to space or time or some shit. Oh, goodness. In the Alolan ones. Yeah, I, I really had to tap out at that. Um, the next few generations, though, do really build on the structure of this with different versions of the gangs you have to take down, which is an insane thing to say. Right, gangs. Yeah, but I mean, to your point, overarching very plainly, yes, a lot of the same story structure is there with differences and world building, and a lot of them are on different regions except for the reboots, obviously. But mm. 
it's basically the same stuff. I'm, okay. I won't be. I'm not mad about that, but I will call you a fucking casual. I'm not trying to be mean about the series either. I'm just. Oh, I get I'm it. Genuinely asking. Yeah, I mean, I thought all the Halo games were the same. In all fairness, I was like, it's all pew pews, and then it turned into like space poli sci and <laughs> zombies Horror and zombies and yeah. Yeah, this doesn't get that deep into the woods on things, so totally different. But like I was saying, so across that first generation of Pokemon, which again. We're going to call it just red, green, blue, all kind of one bucketed thing. This title or set of titles sold over 300 million copies. 300 million? I I really thought you were going to say 300,000. (laughs) That's so embarrassing. Well, I mean, for for a first generation game, it would have been all right. But 300 million copies. Now, is that including like eShop sales and stuff today? I believe so, okay. yeah. Because in 2009, IGN declared it as the best-selling RPG of all time. So Holy I believe that shit. does kind of come up to today where there's a Switch version, there's those Nintendo eShop versions, like you mm-hmm. said, that are, you know, those handheld ports in addition to the actual physical copies. Um, and I believe there have been some anniversary copies. Um so during the Pokemon craze in the late 90s, early aughts, there was also a special edition yellow Pikachu Game Boy Color that actually came with one of the titles. I believe it was actually the Pokemon Yellow title uh, because there was also a version of this where you have Pikachu as your starter and he follows you around and it's so fucking cute. Uh- <laughs> was that the first time that like the character had followed behind you? Yes, like okay. it does in the anime, which is a, lo- a big reason why this did so well. All right. So this was fucking crazy. Okay, so for context, GTA V has sold about 140 million copies to date in 2022. Damn. And GTA 5 has been coming out for nine years. Yeah. Straight. (laughs) Different (laughs) consoles. And it's a near perfect game. It's very difficult for me to... I don't love the racing. That's it. But that is a near fucking perfect game. Right. And every night as I put my head down to slumber, I dream about who would win in a fight. Trevor or... My boyfriend, Doctor Dr. Gordon, Gordon Freeman. Freeman. Yes, I know. <laughs> That's where I'm at with GTA Five. Yeah, anyway, back everybody. To by the way, she has played GTA Five at this point. Do you guys remember when she couldn't pick up a controller and play most games? Like it was intimidating. You know, in in five seasons, you have come so fucking far. I remember the first time you played GTA Five, and you're like, I can't do it. This is this is not this is not doable for me. And then I showed you how to do the driving, and then after that, everything clicked. Yeah, I've really spiraled. <laughs> I need to leave the house more. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did great. I was I was blown away. I loved watching you play that. You say, no, you're fine. Stay home and play video games. <laughs> Don't oh. go outside. When you've been married for this long, it's <laughs> it gets weird. So in 2017, Guinness World Records declared Pokemon as the best-selling video game. Wow. Guinness. Just. Let's go. Um... Also, just as a fun side note, IGN has rated this game, and by this game again, this series of games in this generation, a perfect 10 out of 10. Really? I think that's like a cultural thing, the way, you know, actors who keep missing out on awards get like a lifetime award. Lifetime achievement, yeah. Yeah, like Leo got it for the Bear movie, even though, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, honestly, put him up against Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler, and he would not have won. Oh, Nightcrawler so fucking good. So fucking good. Go watch Nightcrawler. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this game was the brainchild of developers Game Freak. In the late 70s, a young man named Satoshi 
Tajiri, I apologize if I got that wrong, got really into arcade games, specifically Space Invaders, a classic. So he started getting into video game culture and realized like, hey, there's no resources for video games, which, you know, we're still running into because of licensing issues. The only place to find content for video games is social. You have to go to Twitch. You have to go to YouTube. You have to go to Instagram. You have to come to podcasts like ours, <laughs> but it, you can't get it through Netflix or Hulu or, yeah. you know, other ways to consume passively. Which it's very true. is tricky. And, so. th- and this is before any time, like, internet and stuff, too. Oh, yeah, in the 70s? Problem. God bless. <laughs> so he was like, there's really no resources for video games, and that sucks because I love this culture. I love hanging out at arcades. I love gameplay, and I love being competitive, and I love the stories and the art. It's cool. Like, what yeah. the fuck? So he's like, hey, I'm going to take it upon myself to start a video game culture magazine. So fucking cool. Wait, he started a magazine? Yeah. What magazine did he start? I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> We're in the intro. You got to get through these levels before you get to the fun stuff. Sorry. I mean, the, the video game magazine culture of that time was so huge. And, and it's so punk rock to just start a zine. It was. That's like, so cool. I'll tell you a quick story about, like, I remember one time I was going to the dentist and I was waiting outside with my dad and these two guys approached me with, like, this paper copy. Like, it was literally printed at Kinko's. Of like they're like, hey, we're trying to start a, a video game magazine. You Aww. you look young and like you play video games. <laughs> Would you like a copy of our magazine? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And then you follow them to their van. <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. But yeah, they did give me a copy, and I remember it. Like I remember they, they had like a couple like shortcuts for uh, Mario Kart. That was like Aww. one of the things I do remember from that issue. I don't know if they went on to become a Game Informer or anything like that, but. there's a chance that those guys went on to become one of these magazines. But yeah, like I was saying, the magazine culture was just, it was so big because we didn't have the internet. We didn't have the resources that we have today. So that was how we got the information out. Very cool. I'm sure they're just like Rainbow Road Magazine. (laughs) And now they run Polygon. Let's go. So similar to that fucking like punk rock mentality of we don't find a need and fill it. He made this video game culture magazine so he could share his tips and tricks on his favorite arcade games. So not only was he producing this content, he was also filling it out with like, I'm genuinely trying to share tips so you guys can all have fun and we can progress. And, you know, if we talked about going to the bar and playing Dragon's Lair. (laughs) We're talking about bringing a pen and paper so we can write (laughs) them down, but genuinely... Well, the internet exists. What the fuck are we talking about? Yeah, I don't know why we keep saying we're going to do it like the old-fashioned way when we could do it the new-fashioned way. I even saw it. It's on PlayStation 5 right now. I could just download it. But I feel like, because we found this arcade near us that where you just pay five bucks and you go and you can play old video games all night long. So like, And they've got Dragon's Lair, too. And it just seems like, yeah, maybe we should just do it the old-fashioned way. But It feels fun. And the bar is player one. If anyone's... Yeah. There's, there's a bunch of them all over the nation. They are very, very fun. So anyway... The zine picked up some steam locally, and his biggest issue actually moved about 10,000 copies. Oh. So he's not fucking around. Yeah. He was an influencer. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's like the picture form of Twitch streaming. Exactly. <laughs> so this caught some attention from the video game crowd, including Ken Sugimori. Okay. Ken reached out to Satoshi and was like, hey, let me do some art for you. This is fucking sick, and I love what you're doing. And that is how the writer and the artists of Pokemon came together to form Game Freak. Wow. Literally just for the love of the game. So wait, Game Freak was the magazine? Yes. Okay. And is now the studio behind 
Pokemon, and they are ungodly rich. I always wondered what happened to Game Freak magazine. This is fascinating. <laughs> well, it started in the 70s in some kid's basement. Yeah. And now they have the biggest franchise in the world. Wow. So they did the magazine for a few years, and in 1989, they pivoted from being a magazine to being a video game development group, because they were like, we love this so much, and we're kind of on the outside. Let's Let's go to the inside. Fuck it. So they were basically like critics that were like, wait, we should stop just talking about it and start doing it. Yeah. Like we pitched at the beginning of this episode. I think that's, um. <laughs> I think that's the plot of Clerks 3. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so they developed a few Nintendo titles like 1991's Yoshi. Really? 1993's Mario and Wario. And they Wario. did one of the earliest appearances of Wario. My other boyfriend. That is one of your other boyfriends and one of your Nintendo tattoos. I do have a gigantic Wario tattoo on my leg. <laughs> I love him so much. All because of Mario Party. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just misunderstood. Pokemon is short for Pocket Monsters and mm. was always just a passion project for Game Freak and particularly Satoshi Tajari. Satoshi used to catch bugs and explore his neighborhoods to find new bugs when he was a kid, which is the most wholesome fucking thing. Like, this sweet little boy would just go and be like, oh, I found a caterpillar. And then he built this magazine because he said, I love hanging out at arcades. And now he's a fucking billionaire, probably. I really want to know what involvement he had in in Earthbound, because apparently that's what that whole game's about. It's like collecting bugs and shit. It's a, I mean, I think gaming at this point, especially in Japan, was a tight circle. Yeah. You know, it's not like it is now where there's so many studios. It was, the whole culture was still in its infancy. So, and for him to be a figurehead starting from the 70s until literally today, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's the fucking guy. So his concept of capturing monsters was a childhood dream for him. And Ken Sugimori, with a team of artists, developed a ton of Pokemon designs and had to narrow it down to the iconic 151 that make up Gen 1. So today, Satoshi Chijari is the president of Game Freak, and Ken Sugimori serves as the art director. Wow. As of 2001, the developers have 167 employees. That's incredible. These two sweet friends. Right. Like, it's almost like Matt Stone and Trey Parker, how it's just two friends who want to do something for the love of the game. Right. And now they're sewing over their heads. They have so many people whose lives are built around this that have tattoos like me, that go to shows, that shell out money, that make their product their personality because they love it so much. Like, it's so beautiful to see. That really is incredible. And, you know, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, also creators that we've covered on this show. Yeah. And also have done a Pokemon episode, just like we are doing now. <laughs> That's true. Chin they Pokemon, did. I the think chim- it's called. Chin Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon. And you have to collect them in the, uh, in, in Stick of Truth. Yeah. And th- there's a whole episode dedicated to it. And then it is a uh, collectible. That's right. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. So on a technical note, just take a step back. Game Freak loved the notion of using the Game Link cable to trade Pokemon and encourage the community between video game fans. Arguably yeah. the original thesis of the Game Freak magazine uh, project. So for, let, let's lay a little knowledge on him, Tom. You were more sentient than I was at this time. Nobody was using the game link. Uh, they introduced <laughs> it as a way of doing like two player games. And you just, 
It wasn't an expensive system, the Game Boy, but it wasn't practical for a lot of families to buy more than one. Every once in a while, you know, you have your families that are a little bit more well-off where they had multiple systems, but even then, they weren't playing the same games, you know? They didn't make games for boys and girls the same, uh, and unfortunately, you know, you got a little brother and a little sister, they're not playing the same games. That's true. Uh, so you didn't get a lot of the two-player stuff, and so when Pokemon came out and really utilized this cable system, it was innovative in a way that nobody really expected it because, like I said, it was meant to be just a way to do two-player, not to like transfer information between two systems. And so that sharing aspect is something that we see, you know, permeating through to today with cell phone usage and the way we pass information between each other that way and just between our computers and stuff like that. It's it started with Pokemon, you know, the, the <laughs> USB cable that's plugged into your fucking thing right now. That starts with Pokemon and the Nintendo Game Boy, like. Oh, you're absolutely right. That was that was the, my first experience with it. Yeah. And it was a thing where I'd bring my Game Boy to school sometimes, and there'd be another kid there, and the rich kid had the Game Boy cable, <laughs> so we'd all kind of huddle around and talk about trading and stuff, and you could battle. Oh my god, it was so. It was the only time I've ever done things like that before the internet came out, and you could do internet battles and internet gaming with multiple people online. And, you know, it also sparked the controversy from parents of being like, you released two copies of the same game with <laughs> one tiny tweak between the two, so you make us buy two copies of the same game. And honestly, I mean, yeah, part of it was that, but I think a lot of it was just the idea of, no, your friend can get one copy of a different game, and you can get a different copy of a different game, and you guys can play together. I think that was what it is. And they still seem to be that way. Like, Pokemon Go has very much always been a communal effort. Mm-hmm. People still say, like, that was the closest we were to world peace in the summer of 16 <laughs> when everyone was playing Pogo together. Yeah. It was beautiful. So to your point, actually, I'm really glad you brought that up. So there are two different versions of the game. And I want to tell you a fun story about why. Mm -hmm. So they the game freak team was very dedicated to finding ways to build this community, like you said. Again, they were built from a magazine out of love. They were founded on the foundation of let's bring gamers together. Yeah. Core concept, and which also still aligns with Nintendo's core concept. Yeah. They decided having version-exclusive Pokemon so that players with the red version and the blue-green version players would have to connect to truly complete the game. So it's almost like an ARG where they wanted you to be immersed. Right. Game Freak kind of had this vague idea, but they couldn't really nail how to get people to use the game link. They were just like, this technology is so cool. And that's when a friend of theirs suggested doing these version exclusives where a handful of Pokemon work for one and a handful of Pokemon work for the other and you have to trade to get a full Pokedex. That friend was Shigeru Miyamoto. I was wondering when the fuck was he going to show up? Because like <laughs> the idea that these creative geniuses were both operating out of Japan at the same time and hadn't interacted yet was kind of driving me crazy. They were hanging out. They said man, wouldn't it be really cool if we could figure out a way to get people to use the game cable? And Miyamoto said, yeah, put like eight in one, put eight in the other. And he fucking built out the only other video game franchise that could touch Pokemon by being the father of Mario, Legend of Zelda, Donkey Kong, Star Fox, fucking everything else that Nintendo's done. Yeah. <laughs> These two groups built Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, I, we're, I'm going to take it back to Trey Parker and Matt Stone real quick. It reminds me of the story of when they went to go see the play Avenue Q. They were like, oh, we just want to meet the guys that wrote this. 
And so they sat down to dinner together and they were like, what do you guys want to do next? And the guys that wrote Avenue Q were like, we've got an idea for a Mormon musical and, you know, rest is history in terms of how that went. <laughs> Walls full of fucking Tony Awards. Yeah. It's going to help get those boys like over their EGOT hump. Like, it's so exciting. Love those guys entirely. It's really incredible how many times we can pull back to the South Park well as we talk about <laughs> fucking Undertale. Or, yeah, Undertale. We talked yep. about how the Earthbound roots are there for both games. And now this kind of shit just in the creators and the love of the game process. So just to cruise through the differences really quick. And again, these are about the American differences because those are the ones I played. So those are the ones I'm familiar with. In Pokemon Red, the exclusives were Ekans, Arbok, Oddish, Gloom, Vileplume. Obviously, those are all evolutions. Mankey, Primate, Growlithe, Arcanine, Scyther, and Electabuzz. Those are the exclusives for Red. For Pokemon Blue, the version I had, you had Sandshrew, Sandslash, Vulpix, Ninetales, Meowth, Persian, Bellsprout, Weaving Bell, Victory Bell, Magmar, and Pinsir. So kind of like B-team Pokemon to right. be 100. Nobody essential. One other thing is that in the opening credits, you got different battle animations. So in red, you had a Gengar fighting a Nidorino. In blue, you had a Gengar fighting a Jigglypuff. And then in the starting screens, it would start with the player icon and a Charmander in version red. And then a player character and a Squirtle in version blue. All right. So are you ready to enter the world of Kanto? Yes, I think it is time. Let's get into it. Let's leave home, say goodbye to your mom, and go on a road trip down to Pokemon Town. <laughs> Pokemon Town. Pokemon Town, <laughs> which is probably what my parents call it. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> That's very accurate, I'm sure. You start the game with an intro from Professor Oak, exactly the same as the anime. He's a tan older man with pointy hair. Okay. He welcomes you to the world of Pokemon and introduces himself as the Pokemon Professor, saying he studies Pokemon as his profession. He's a scientist, like Dr. Gordon Freeman. <laughs> Your boyfriend. My boyfriend. My boyfriend is much cuter than this man. And um, younger. He's only 27 years old. He's 27. Anyway, <laughs> don't get me started. I have to focus. We're still in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> He asks you your name, and then he reintroduces you to his own grandson, saying he's been your rival since you were a baby. First of all, baby rivals. Baby rivals. Tell me what you think baby rivals means. Well, here's the thing. I get it. What? I can honestly say I get it. Like, I had, because I grew up in a neighborhood, right? And I had my best friend, and then I had my best friend's best friend. Oh. Were you rivals as and babies? We were rivals from fucking birth. And That's like weird. through to this day, like I'm 39 years old. <laughs> I still don't like the guy. Do you want me to beat him up? And like, yeah, I would say baby rivals. I totally get it. For legal reasons, this is a joke, but I'm going to kick his ass. <laughs> okay. So for some reason you had a rival as a baby. So do you in this version of this game, I don't have any baby rivals. My rivalries all came from college like a normal person. Also, I'm winning. <laughs> you really are. I am. So, Professor Oak has known both of you your entire lives, which is also why he opens with asking you your name. I was going to say, like, he just introduced himself, but he's known me my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he studies Pokemon, not memory. It, it's a game geared towards kids. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think too much about it. <laughs> so then he asks you what his grandson's name is. He asks you what his grandson's name is? Yeah. He goes, what's his name? 
fuckface? We call him Stinky. You're not allowed to put swears in there. Oh. There are some guardrails. I'm going to call him Stinky. In the Fine. anime, he's Gary for anyone looking for the equivalent. And you know, if that game came out today, like there would be like an achievement if you named him Gary. Oh, I know. Right? <laughs> You'd get a little trophy unlock or some right. shit. So you wake up and you're playing a Super Nintendo in your house in Pallet Town. The town has literally three buildings. Your house, Gary's house, and Professor Oak's lab. Doesn't sound like much of a town. Yeah, I mean, obviously this came out in the <laughs> mid to late 90s. It wasn't as robust as a Red Dead. But for comedic purposes, we're going to tear into it. It was also what the a fuck? Game Boy game. Like, that's very, very basic. Like, that's that's less than Nintendo. Yeah. It's a game. It's a handheld fucking brick. Like, right. <laughs> you can't ask for too much, but it's still very silly. So your mom is like, hey, Professor Oak was looking for you. You go out and you start to wander in an open area and you can't find him. Then you get to an area called Tall Grass. You walk a little bit into it, and then Professor Oak comes out the fucking woodwork and goes, No! It's unsafe! There's wild Pokemon out there! You need a Pokemon to protect yourself! Follow me! Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Save-A-Ho over here. There's a pack of wild dogs over here. Get yourself a guard dog. Get yourself a bigger dog! Yeah. He takes you back to his lab, and Stinky's there waiting. And he uh -oh. says, Gramps, I'm fed up with waiting! <laughs> Again, this is made for children. <laughs> this is the most innocent game we've covered. <laughs> so it feels kind of bad that I'm dropping a lot of fucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but that's who I am as a person. So Professor Oak seems to have forgotten that he invited Stinky over, and he just sidesteps to tell you to pick out a Pokemon. Like, and then he's like, yeah, Stinky, you too, whatever. Professor Oak's kind of an idiot. He's messy. Like, oh, I guess not an idiot. He's forgetful. He's super forgetful. He has no idea what's happening. He has about the same memory span that I do. Yeah. Yeah. Here you make one of the most overinflated decisions of all childhood, akin to getting sorted into your Hogwarts house. You pick your starter Pokemon. Yep. That's like people saying, like, screw your astrology sign. What's your starter Pokemon oh kind of shit God. now? <laughs> And, like, honestly, I played it so many times, I ran through every single starter a couple times. Of course. But I think because I had blue, I believe my first starter was Squirtle, because I was like, oh, fucking go team blue. The one that's on the cover. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the poster child. In Pokemon Yellow, when you enter the tall grass, a Pikachu just comes out, Professor Oak catches it, and then he gives you that Pokemon. Uh, so there is a little variation in that specific one, but for the most part, it's just Charmander, a fire-type dragon little boy, Squirtle, who is a little water turtle, and then Bulbasaur, who is a little grass cabbage. Yeah, he is a strange little character. I love him. I named my Venusaur OG Kush, and <laughs> it brings me a lot of joy. I mega-evolved him like two days ago to get some extra candy on Pogo. It's pretty nice. So you can name it, and then Stinky almost immediately forces you to battle him. Hell yeah. <laughs> he picks whatever Pokemon has a type advantage over what you picked. So if you get a Bulbasaur, the grass type, he picks a Charmander, which has which fire is uh, especially powerful against grass. If you get a Charmander, he gets a Squirtle, because a Squirtle can put the water out in fire, etc. So it's like a rock, paper, scissors situation. Entirely. And he just picked whatever after you so that he could be a little more powerful. It's right. kind of trash. 
In Pokemon Yellow, he has an Eevee. But you know what? Either way, whatever you get, it's a pretty easy battle, and this should not rock your shit. You're totally fine. I would it- hope the tutorial battle does not, like, rock your shit. <laughs> you know you'd think, but uh, some of these more recent games happen. Oh, dear God. Some of these games that I played for this season, the tutorials are... Wow. Yeah. So you beat Stinky, and he's like, I'm going to go make my Pokemon fight to toughen them up. Smell you later. And he, So he's just screaming, like... You just beat me. I'm going to beat my Pokemon into submission so I can kick your ass next time. And you're like, that's not the lesson to take away from this. That's not a good message to give to kids at all. That's why we're calling him Stinky in this verbal playthrough. I still think he's a (laughs) fuckface. I just wish you could call him fuckface. So you leave Pallet Town and you head north to Viridian City, the next town over. And your whole goal right now is to pick up something for Professor Oak. So, like, you got a Pokemon and you can't even run into just playing. You immediately have to do a fetch quest. Of course. Uh, the map is very linear in how it allows you to progress. And it's clear how it wants you to proceed. So, even though the map, you can kind of see the next few towns. You can only go a certain direction. You can't very, you're very much on rails. Okay. And there's really just a forward. Yeah, <laughs> I the map's kind of going in a circle in a clockwise manner for the most part to be very, very general. But yeah, you basically just g- follow the path in front of you. Because it's third person top down, right? Yes. Okay. So you pick up Professor Oak's package and you hightail it back to the lab. And he's like, oh, you made it. How's my old Pokemon doing? And then Stinky shows up like an asshole. Uninvited Stinky. Like, he was like, I'm on a rampage to make my Pokemon fight. And then he just shows back up at home uninvited with, like, no reason. You had a reason. You were like, I'm going to get the thing. I'm going to come back. We're cool. Stinky's like, fuck this. I'm out for revenge. Stinky fuckface. So Oak is like, you know what? While you're here, I have a request for you guys. I have an encyclopedia for Pokemon called the Pokedex. This is a device that scans a Pokemon and tells you their type a little bit about them, their evolutionary line, and logs the ones you catch. He gives you and Stinky a Pokedex each, and it it looks like a Palm Pilot, which is a very dated statement. It looks like a (laughs) smartphone. There you go. (laughs) Sorry, we do have some younger listeners. Oh, I loved Palm Pilots. I thought those those were sick. He gives you and Stinky a Pokedex each and is like, it used to be my dream to travel the world and collect all the Pokemon, but now I'm too old. And you're both 10 years old. The perfect age to leave home. 10? 10. 10 years old. Yep. To leave home. Yep. Who the f- So canonically in the Pokemon lore, when you turn 10, you're eligible to become a Pokemon trainer and you can hit the road, battle gyms. This is explained more in the anime. But in the game, they kind of just gloss over it. And he's like, I'm too old to do this. My back hurts. And I clearly have early onset dementia. <laughs> so you guys go fucking do it. My Lord, to send them off into the wilderness. But yeah, like you just said, Professor Oak is not all there. No. So you go to your house and you're like, hey, mom, I'm leaving home forever. I'm, I'm going to the war, mother. <laughs> <laughs> I belong to the streets now. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to go leave home to document wild creatures for an eccentric old man. And she's just like, bet. (laughs) Uh, He's like, I'm going to go make a Nova documentary with David Attenborough. And we're going to find a bunch of animals. And And that's my life now. And she's like, 
dope see you at christmas whatever (laughs) you go to stinky's house and his sister gives you a town map so this is a full map that you can it's not even of town it's of all the towns it's a region map but they call it a town map a full well it's all the town map it's all the town's maps and you're off and now you're just ready to go and you head back up to viridian city to start your pokemon adventure now, the last place was a town and had three houses. Now, does yep. the city have, like, seven? Not really. No, not even that? No. <laughs> One thing I do want to note is that you start your adventure in Pallet Town, and then every other town is named after a color, which is kind of cute. Okay. Yeah, so the first town we head up to, like I said, is Viridian City. There's a Pewter City. There's Cerulean City. On and on. And they're not even your common colors. No, they're very cool colors, so it kind of takes a minute to be like, oh, shit. And when I was like nine, I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Mind blown. This is my version of In Dead Space where you find out that Homegirl's been dead the whole time. Oh, girl, that fucked me up. I know it did. Like, I feel like you still are like, how did you do that? (laughs) Yeah, I I, genuinely never saw that coming. I just thought we were having fun with the chapter titles, but... (laughs) I'm so excited for Callisto Protocol to come out from that same creator. Oh, right. It's going to be amazing. Anyway. And the remake. The remake is cool, but it doesn't, it didn't have Glenn Schofield partaking in it. And I think he is an absolute genius creator. And I really want to see what he does next. Anyway, back to the beginnings of the largest franchise of all time. So (laughs) throughout these games, there are Pokemarts that are stores. So you can, you know, pick up potions and Pokeballs, things like that. There are Pokemon centers where you can heal your Pokemon for free. So if all your Pokemon faint in a battle with a wild Pokemon, you pass out and you just end up at the last Poco Center that you visited, <laughs> which is kind of nice. So, you know, there's a lot of guardrails, so you don't, you can't game over and break the game. There, this is not a world where you can fully die and I mean, that's up. good. Like I said, it's a game for kids at the end of the day. Yeah, like the worst thing that happens if you faint out during a battle or something is that you lose a little bit of money. Yeah. And like call it a taxi fee, whatever. Yeah, and they don't even die. They faint. Yeah. So you get to Viridian City and the gym leader isn't in, so you can't challenge the gym. And you're like, ah, shit. You can get a catching Pokemon tutorial from an NPC who's simply named Old Man. Old Man. Yeah. <laughs> So you're like, hello, what's your name? He's like, I'm old man. Let me show you how to capture a wild animal. <laughs> Which kind of feels like those pigeon people that like catch pigeons in the air and then are like, these are my friends. The guy from Spider-Man. The guy from fucking, oh shit, John Wick. Oh yeah, and John Wick too. <laughs> yeah, but they're like mob pigeon. I don't know, that, that movie's wild. It's wonderful. <laughs> anyway, so there's nothing much to do in Viridian City, but go to Pewter City. So also quickly on the gyms, it takes eight gym badges to go to the Pokemon League. And when you go to the Pokemon League, you can challenge like the top trainers in the region. And then you can qualify to be a Pokemon champion, which is the goal. You want to be the best like no one ever was. <laughs> Very good. That's your that's your one. I'm not going to do it that often, I promise. <laughs> but I mean, they did it once in the Detective Pikachu movie. I'm allowed one. <laughs> We're even. That was a surprisingly good movie. Like from a, a non-fan of the series, I enjoyed that movie. From a lifelong fan, I enjoyed it as well. So that truly was a great crossover hit. And I would love to see the Super Smashiverse come out of this, but I'm (laughs) so scared about the Mario movie. Yeah. Uh, You're right to be nervous about that one. I think we all are. And, you know, as a side note, we collectively as a society bullied the Sonic movie into changing Sonic. True. Why can't we bully 
better casting in the Mario movie. Fair. I agree entirely. Bullying sometimes works for the better. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Remember that, kids. For legal reasons, that's a joke, too. (laughs) So anyway, so you head over to Pewter City, which is the next city. And like I said, we're going to kind of jam through these because there's only one path. You have to just follow this thing. It's on rails. Again, literally a game a child could play. Taught me how to read. Not that crazy. Yeah. Pewter City is home to two exciting things. The Pewter City Gym, Avi. And the Pewter Museum of Science. It costs about 50 pokey dollars to get in or about 50 cents in 2022 money. Okay. <laughs> um, about estimate. This is very ballpark and this is from the internet. It's not necessarily canonical, <laughs> but I like the idea of the equivalency. So we're going to roll with that. This is my episode. Damn it. <laughs> Keep about, it going. About 100 pokey dollars is equal to one US dollar. Not counting for inflation because I don't know how to do that math. That's it's, fair. I mean, that's actually pretty close to the uh, exchange rate from the yen to the dollar. Oh, that makes so much fucking sense. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't put that together. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need two hosts. <laughs> I Professor Oak that shit. It was immediately out of my brain and I did not put any thought into it. So inside the museum there on display, there are these Pokemon fossils, which are really sick. And there are some scientists who are working on studying Mount Moon, which is this spooky-ass mountain that's, like, emotionally connected to the moon or some shit. Emotionally? Yeah, it's it's a little spooky. It's a spiritual moon mountain. I mean, this is also a world where you can ride on a dragon and fight a giant leaf cabbage. So, fair. you know what? We're going to roll with it. That's fair. In Pewter Gym, as with a majority of the gyms in the whole world of Pokemon main series games... It's themed around that gym leader's specialty. So Pewter City's gym leader is Brock, one of the sidekicks in the anime series. Mm. You may not be familiar, but you've seen him. I've seen Brock. He's the taller one, right? Yes. Yep. In the anime, he's a silly guy who falls in love with every woman he sees. Oh, womanizer. And he loves rock Pokemon. While the games don't delve into his sex life, he does indeed love rock Pokemon. Okay. Uh, which is kind of nice. But yeah, he gets weird in the anime. Like, every person he sees that's a female or presents female, he just full heart eyes, fucking <laughs> simp for days. And we all were like, this is a normal thing to teach children. Yeah, now you have people buying bathwater, so. Yeah, he ruined millennials. <laughs> so as with most gyms, he has some warm-up trainers who basically taunt you and make you challenge them before you can battle the gym leader. And they say... They're always really cheesy. They'll be like, my team rocks. And then they'll oh, play God. with the rock type Pokemon. Man, I mean, the writing isn't wild in these first few. No, and I'm, I imagine there are plenty of times where they ran into translation issues and they were just like, uh, weird joke here. Oh, a- absolutely. There were certainly some creative liberties taken when this was brought over to different areas. Right. Absolutely agree. At the beginning of every single gym when you walk in there's a dude that goes yo champ in the making and then has some line or hint about how to defeat the gym leader so he'll be like brock loves his rock types that's crazy (laughs) Uh, the hype man of the gym yeah he's the hype man of the gym and it's the same guy at every single gym so you're just like ah this is just what you do well isn't it the same nurse at every uh every hospital too that's true and every cop is officer jenny every nurse is nurse joy and they all have a chance you're a blissy like there's 
there's some weird shit happening in the Pokemon world. They're allegedly cousins or sisters or related, but clones. Them genes is strong. I know cloning exists in this game. Oh, it does. <sighs> it's more in the movie. I don't want to get into it. Oh yeah, with Mew and shit, huh? And yeah, too. Yeah, there's some cloning and splicing things, and again, like we, the first sheep was cloned in like '98, so honestly, that was in the lexicon of conversations around this time. So, oopsies. Well, since we're on the topic of Mew and Mewtwo, can you at least explain how Mewtwo is 150 and Mew is 151? No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, leave me alone. <laughs> This is my fandom, but I don't owe you that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. It's just a numbers game. Yeah, I mean, like, okay. (laughs) So they just kind of fucking numbered them. (laughs) Like, (laughs) the first, like, Pokemon number one is one of the starters. And then the first Pokemon that was actually ever designed was Rhydon, which is, like, 25 or something. And then there's also Arceus, which is a god that all Pokemon may or may not have, like, been birthed out of. Descended from? Yeah, so don't get... Don't get tripped up on the numbers. Okay. <laughs> it's it's just a labeling system. Arbitrary numbers. Yeah. And I don't have the heart for that conversation. So after you beat Brock, you can head on down to Mount Moon and pass through the next town. And so there are some caves, which is kind of cool. And like I said, one of the people that helped create this and establish what sets Pokemon apart was the guy who created Legend of Zelda. Right. Caves were the shit for Nintendo. <laughs> Still are. Made a lot of money on caves, guys. Yeah. So you take Route 3, and then you encounter one of the most memeable moments <laughs> in oh? the game. And I hope you've run into this at some point in the internet, because in the Pokemon world, it is fucking iconic. A trainer sees you and walks up to you, smiling like a moron, <laughs> and says, Hi. I like shorts. They're comfy and easy to wear. And then he challenges you to a duel. <laughs> have you seen that meme? I have seen that meme. It's, okay. it's wonderful. <laughs> and like sometimes I genuinely am like, I do like shorts. They are comfy and easy to wear. <laughs> but just imagine you're 10. Right. Imagine you decided to leave home at the bequest of an old man <laughs> who <laughs> forgot your name after knowing you for your entire life. Your whole life. Yeah, and you're alone. You know, you beat a gym leader, so you're like, all right, I got some heat on me. And then some strange other little boy <laughs> comes <laughs> up and is like, hello. <laughs> I like shorts. Right. They're comfy and easy to wear. Let's fight. Fight me. <laughs> yeah, so aggressive, man. So Mount Moon is fun for mm, two minutes. (laughs) And then it is Zubat hell. There are feral trainers and feral bat Pokemon wandering around looking for a fight at every turn. Let's explain feral trainers real quick. So throughout the games, there are trainers just posted everywhere. And if you step one fucking pixel in their line of vision, they beeline to you. You cannot escape. And they challenge you to a duel. Like Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> yeah, this game is Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> there are rabbits and <laughs> bear creatures in there. Um, so, yeah, they're always so aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's why one thing about Gen 1, though, is after you beat them, you do not have to play them again. Okay. Um, in later generations, there are ways where you can switch numbers with them so you can call and do rematches, which is kind of cool. Hmm. 
So there's other mechanics that have evolved, but for this one, one and done. And then after that, you can pass by their line of vision without them running up to you. Okay. But yeah, the game does force you to paddle a lot. But it's just the idea that there's trainers just itching for a fight in the middle of a cave is so fucking weird. Uh, just fight each other, guys. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's no sun. You need some vitamin D. Entirely. That's why you're so aggressive. <laughs> so throughout the cave, it's ladder puzzles galore. It kind of sucks. But this is where you first encounter Team Rocket. I was just about to ask, like, is Team Rocket a part of this game? Of fucking course it is. Wonderful. So in red, blue, it's Team Rocket grunts, which are basically just fucking red coat, red shirts? Red shirts, okay. Red coats were from the Civil War, right? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Red shirts are from Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah. And I mixed them up because I'm a fucking moron. (laughs) So they are basically disposable foot soldiers for Team Rocket. In yellow, however, because yellow was a little bit more derived out of the popularity of the anime, they're Jesse and James. Oh, love Jesse and James. Team Rocket blasting off the speed of light. Meowth, that's right, bitches. So after you beat them, there's a super nerd trainer who's like, I found two fossils and they're both mine. You should fight me. (laughs) Again, don't. Don't break your back trying to figure this shit out. So after you kill his friends, he's like, all right, we can each have one. There's no need for me to be greedy. (laughs) So now you just own a fossil? Well, that that taught him how to share. It did. Uh, If you get the dome fossil, it will unlock the Kabuto Pokemon eventually. If you get the Helix fossil, it unlocks Ammonite later. So the fossils do come around in some pretty cool Hard to find Pokemon. Okay. This good. is also why it's good to have a friend who can play this game because you can only pick one. And these aren't ones that you can encounter or at least encounter easily in the world. Yeah. So to have a friend get a Kabuto and you have an Ammonite, then you can share and, you know, fill out the decks that way. Because is that also the case with the starters? Yes. The starters are not available in other places in the main series games. So you get one starter. I think in later games, there are places where like, oh, there's it's really rare, but you can find another starter here. But yeah, for the main series games, you really get a starter and that's it. (laughs) And you don't have other ones. You get an endangered species. You do. You get the last of its kind, essentially, is the implication. As your starter. It's like, all right, you got there's no way to breed this thing, so just take it out and risk its life every single day. And there are ways to breed it. You can use a ditto at the uh breeding hut okay. to catch an egg and make more, but no one ever does that. The best I've seen are people who on day one they start a new game with a starter, trade it to their friend, mm. and then just restart it again and restart it again so they have the full set of starters off the bat. Just right out the gate. Yeah, that's an advanced move though. I I've never done that. <laughs> Cause I've only ever had one copy of the game. I just love the idea they give you an endangered species and then say, go fight with it. Like if you got an emu <laughs> they're like, you get one egg. Good luck, bitch. Right. All right, you get a koala. Have fun. Here's a western white rhino. <laughs> it will There's definitely four kill of them you. left in the entire planet. Have fun. <laughs> Have fun backpacking. <laughs> so after the Mount Moon debacle, you find yourself in Cerulean City. This is home to a water-themed gym. So like Cerulean water, you know, and then pewter with a rock gym. They're they're a little thematic. Yeah. So within Cerulean City, there's a that water gym, like I mentioned, a bike shop, 
There's a man named Bill that lives there and something called the Nugget Bridge. It's like a really cute seaside town. I'm curious about Bill and the Nugget Bridge. We're going to get there, I promise. Okay. But I'm going to start with the bike shop. The okay. bike shop is literally just a store where they sell bicycles. But bicycles cost a million polka dollars or 10,000 US dollars each for some fucking reason. $10,000 bicycle. Okay, I don't know how to ride a bike. You have ridden a bike in your life. Yes. How expensive are bicycles? You shouldn't be spending... Uh, I mean, okay. Yeah, there are people that are going to spend a lot of money on bicycles for sure. Like, people that ride bikes as, like, a living kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. They'll spend that kind of money. But, like, me, I wouldn't spend more than 100 bucks on a bike at this point in my life. So you can life. get a bike for 100 bucks. Go to Walmart or some shit. Yeah, I'm, I think you can get a, a pretty cheap bike. You can probably Craigslist one for 75 bucks or something. Yeah. Facebook Marketplace, shit yeah, like that. something like that. Yeah, these bicycles... In 1999, it cost $10,000. $10, $10,000. The fucking price equivalency is what really sent me while I was <laughs> looking into this. So the gym is actually kind of cool. It's a giant pool with a narrow walkway, and all of the trainers are swimming, and they swim up to you while you're walking through. Oh. Which is kind of sick. Is it cool or is it creepy? I think it's kind of cool. It's weird that there's people challenging you to fight while they're in their swimsuits. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see nip-nops while I'm fighting you, but I will. (laughs) And you get through all of them. Their leader is Misty, another character from the anime. Oh, good. She is a sassy redhead in the series who is constantly just shit on for being dramatic. Oh. And here she's just a fully normal person who likes water Pokemon, <laughs> which is kind of nice. They're like, baby girl, it's fine. Is she one of Brock's many love interests? He, she is the one female he's like, I do not see any magic in her. <laughs> we are fully platonic and she's kind of annoying. That's fantastic. Yeah. And actually in the anime, she joins the squad because Ash ruins her bicycle. Oh. And she's literally chasing him going, you're going to buy me a new bike. And he's like, uh, sure I am. And she's been following him mm, 20 years because of that. Well, a bike costs $10,000. as expensive as shit. But it's like, you ruined my fucking Honda. I'm going to follow you for 20 years. After year two, they're not going to pay you back, man. Move on. You're just friends at that point. Yeah. Now you just live together <laughs> because of debt. So let's talk about the Nugget Bridge, which I know you're excited about. Yes. So you go on this bridge on the north end of town and run into Stinky. He's being a little shit. He's being a fuckface. He challenges you to a fight, and when you beat his trash-ass lineup, he tells you to take it easy, which you started this. Wait, yeah, right? Don't come in here swinging and being like, oh, oh, no, don't hit me. Don't start no shit. Won't be no shit. Nope. So he's like, hey, I saw Bill who showed him a bunch of rare Pokemon, which would be great for your Pokedex. And then he just like runs away. Oh, well, now we get to find out about Bill. And you're like, okay, if I cross the Nugget Bridge, I can get to Bill's house. So Nugget Bridge is six trainers that you beat in a row to win a Nugget, which is worth $50. Okay. And they make it look like a giant fucking like pomegranate sized gold nugget (laughs) they make it seem especially in kind of other media that it's a giant chunk gold basically 50 bucks 50 bucks the last trainer is actually a rocket grunt which should be worrying because they're literally running like a pokemon fighting scam right or some shit so after you get through nugget bridge 
You can make your way up to Bill's house. Bill is a collector of rare Pokemon. Stinky wasn't lying. He invented a Pokemon storage system. Oh. So you go into his house and you see two chambers and a Pokemon. And because this game was very bare bones, there's only like four or five different kinds of sprites of Pokemon that you see outside of the battle screen. Mm -hmm. So when you're top down, just looking at the town, there's kind of one that looks like basically a Rhydon and there's like a couple others, but for the most part, a lot of them look very similar. Okay. So you walk up to this Pokemon and it says, hi, I'm a Pokemon. No, wait, I'm a man. I'm Bill. What? (laughs) What's wrong with Bill? So much. There seems to be a lot wrong with Bill. And also like this containment unit, it makes me think of like Ghostbusters, how they have the the big containment unit for all the ghosts. (laughs) So it turns out Bill screwed up an experiment and got combined with a Pokemon genetically in a freak accident. Oh dear Which is the plot of the fly. Yeah, entirely. (laughs) (laughs) But like, as a child, are you supposed to believe that you as a 10-year-old wandered into a strange building after kicking your friend's ass and a giant Pokemon came up to you and said, I'm a Pokemon. No, wait, I'm a man. I'm a human man. I'm a human man. Uh, So he asked you to help and have you run the cell separation system on his computer while he gets in the chamber, which I think is also the ending of the fly, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he goes into the chamber on the right, you turn on the PC, and he steps out of the chamber on the left. So it does work, like a man comes out. And his first words upon coming out are, Yeehaw! Thanks, buddy! Oh, did he also invent teleportation in this moment? A little, like there's trace amounts of uh, time travel or something. Oh, actually, you know what? That was the plot of the fly as well. There it is. Yeah, it was <laughs> teleportation and he teleported with the fly. So this is how children get introduced to the fly, I guess. <laughs> In like the second section of the game. We've only gotten our second gym badge. I just want to remind you. <laughs> also, I really think that to your point, the yeehaw was definitely an Americanized insertion of... How will we sell this to kids? (laughs) Yeehaw. Thanks, buddy. So he's like, thanks for your help. And he gives you a ticket to a boat called the SS Anne in Vermilion City. He says he hates fancy parties anyway. Also, there's been a robbery in town that you have to solve now because you're a detective. Now you're a detective? Yeah, there's a a whole side story. I'm not going to get too far into it, but someone's house gets robbed and... For some reason, it's up to you to solve it. Like, there's cops there. They're just not fucking doing anything. And you have to solve a house invasion. Oh, my God. Because you're 10. You're 10, and this is your job. So anyway, you've taken Bill out of being a Pokemon. You've got your badge. Let's fucking roll. We've done everything (laughs) we could in this town. We saved a man's life. We solved a crime. You're doing the damn thing. We got our gym badge. Let's go. You take the next available route to Vermilion City, which is a seaside port town. There's this crazy old man who, if you listen to talk for long enough, he just dozes off while talking to you. Oh. And as a thank you, he gives you a voucher for a free bicycle. So he basically just handed you $10,000. Yeah, because you listened to him talk and watched him nap for two minutes. See, it pays to just listen every once in a while, guys. It's a better racket than feet pictures, I'm telling you. <laughs> so you can swing back to Cerulean City and get your free bike. That's the only bike city, or excuse me, that's the only bike shop in the region. But hey, free bike, it's totally worth it. 
And bike is just kind of a speedier travel version of walking. You know, it was, again, very limited in terms of gameplay mechanics, but the bike is very, very, very helpful. So you get to Vermilion City and the SSN is docked. It's this gorgeous cruiser and you can board it with the ticket from Bill. The SSN is called the Saint Anne in Japan, which is the name of the computer in Pulse Man, another Game Freak game. Ooh. So, yeah, I found that out. That's a cute little Easter egg, which I like. That is a good Easter egg. So Bill sold you on the SSN being this lavish, fancy party, and he was just like, I hate these fancy fucking stuffy parties. You're 10. Why don't you go? 10-year-olds love fancy dress parties. Yeah. So instead... It's overrun by bloodthirsty feral Pokemon trainers who battle you the second they see you, and you're trapped on the water with them. What is with these feral fucking kids running around? (laughs) Well, I guess when you release them at 10 years old, you're going to get raised by fucking wolves. Yeah, wolf Pokemon. (laughs) So you slaughter your way through the ship, and you find out... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Too much? No, it's great. I love it. It's true. You have to battle your way through, so... You find out that the boat is supposed to set sail, but the captain hasn't set sail yet. And now this is your problem. Well, you're 10. This is your job. (laughs) To get the boat moving? Yes, Captain 10-year-old. So you slay dozens and dozens of Pokemon. (laughs) And you finally run into Stinky. Why the fuck is Stinky here? I don't know how he got invited. He's a piece of shit. He's like Flash Thompson. He just keeps showing up. Yeah. So he's like, eh, I hate you. And he brags about his Pokedex. And then he just dips. He's the fucking worst. You find the captain in his captain's quarters. And he's like, hey, I'm really seasick. So this man. The his, captain? His job is captain of a ship. And he gets seasick. Like, did he run out of Dramamine? Because there's even a cure for that. Did he just think this was the best option for his job? You know, maybe it's one of those immersion therapy situations where... This is his job! (laughs) What the fuck? If you're afraid of spiders, would you get a job as a spider handler for therapy? Or just keep going to therapy? Idiots would. (sighs) So this idiot... (laughs) So you rub his back and clean the barf off of his beard. This is a Game Boy game? Yeah. And Captain Barfbeard is now better. Captain Barfbeard, you did not. He teaches you a skill called cut, which lets you cut down trees, and then you leave the boat. You're like, my work here is done. I fixed Captain Barfbeard. I now know how to single-handedly cut a tree down. My work here is done. Why did they decide this guy would give that skill to you? That, that's dumb. Like, he spends his life on the sea, and his special skill is cutting trees down. Make it make sense. You know what? He was a tree trimmer for the first part of his career. And then, like I said, he wanted to do that immersion therapy, became a sea captain and didn't realize that he would get sick. (laughs) This game's... I can't believe I've played this so many times. (laughs) I just hear hours of my life being poured into this insanity. And I'm like, oh, man, that's why I'm broken as a person. (laughs) As you leave, the boat full of unconscious Pokemon and disgruntled trainers sets sail into the distance. So romantic. So the next gym is the Vermilion Gym, which originally was blocked by a tree. But now that you know how to cut trees, you have to solve a puzzle after you cut the trees where you flip switches on to open different doors to be able to battle the gym leader, Lieutenant Surge. Lieutenant Surge is ex-military and... 
in lore for him, he's fought in the war, which is not specific to a war that we know a lot about. Okay. But there are theories that he might be Ash's dad uh, because oh. he does look a lot like Ash in his hair and just looks like an older version. Ash, not red. Correct. Okay. Ash being the protagonist of the anime and, you know, the main trainer everyone's seen, but not red. We don't know what red's doing. Got you. And he specializes in electric Pokemon. Okay. Which is always fun. Uh, there's some backtracking and tunnels and shit that I'm going to just kind of gloss over here because it's pretty monotonous of feral trainers and Pokemon attacking you. But the next town is perhaps one of the most notorious in Gen 1 history. We are entering Lavender Town. just sounds pretty now let's dim the lights let's gather around the fire let's get a little spooky oh lavender town is the ghost themed town and while there is no gym there is one huge defining feature the pokemon tower the pokemon tower is a several stories tall pokemon graveyard where psychics and mourners go to lay their beloved but departed pokemon to rest dear god when you get into town, you're told there's a local man named Mr. Fuji, who is also a really clutch character in the trading card game, Oh. who volunteers in town and looks after the abandoned or orphaned Pokemon, but oddly, he's been missing. Oh, no. Once inside the Pokemon Tower, you're in a lobby full of sobbing mourners. Like Mourners. Mourners. It's it. fucking sad. The floors above are hedge mazes made up of tombstones just so fucking wild a hedge maze out of tombstones yeah how dark is God, that fuck how are these people stacked right and the first person you run into is stinky <laughs> fucking fuckface stinky who says your pokemon don't look dead and then he challenges you to a duel he's like i'll fix that for you yeah <laughs> so you kick the shit out of him of course you instead bury a couple of his Throughout the tower, you can fight. Psychics or ghosts will appear, but you need a specific item to be able to see the ghosts. So we're going to come back to that later. Quick question. Were ghost-type Pokemon a thing yet? Yes, they were. Okay. You, from here, move on to Celadon City, known for being bougie as hell Ooh. and having both a casino and a five-story department store in town. Yeah, this sounds like my kind of city. <laughs> so in the gaming corner, there's a whole ass fuck of slot machines. And you can basically play the slot machines and win live Pokemon, which feels really barbaric. Live Pokemon? Like, I know we're literally doing, like, pretend dog fighting, but this feels right. so weird to play slot machines when you're, like, eight years old to be like, I'm going to win a Dratini or a Polygon. It's fucking weird. Like, it's a lot different than throwing that ping pong ball at the fair and winning a goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> Although that is a very fair correlation to yeah, the real Yeah, that's the world. only thing I can think of where we, we, as a society, give away live animals as prizes. <laughs> feels rough. We probably shouldn't give lives away as prizes no. for... for skills <laughs> oh god now i feel weird about it um, 
So you poke around the casino after you do your child gambling <laughs> to win rare. And honestly, just as a side note, these are very rare Pokemon to find. There's a Dratini, which is a, a pretty OP dragon one for this meta. There's a Polygon, which is extremely hard to find. There's an Abra, which is hard to catch. Like, these are Pokemon you do want. It's not trash. Like, they're really good Pokemon. So it does encourage you to gamble. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I have been to Japan and I've seen like gambling culture is very big there. Yeah. So and this wasn't weird. It was very natural. But I feel like it was more pachinko machines than it was like slot machines. Huh. That might have been a translation though. And, and slots are so simple. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to program. Yeah. As a child, you're like match the shapes. Yeah, that's fair. Word. Yeah. They're not doing like fucking Texas Hold'em for a Vulpix or whatever. No. That would be insane and hysterical. Please give me that. So you start poking around the casino <laughs> and you notice there's a Team Rocket grunt up to some shit. So you, as a child unattended in a casino, investigate. Of course. You're 10. You should. And just like that movie, you look behind a poster and there's a secret door. Oh, secret doors behind a poster. That's always the best. You're goddamn Andy Dufresne and Shawshank Redemptioning this bitch. <laughs> and you fight your way through... Four underground levels of Team Rocket Grunts. Four underground levels. So just like real life Las Vegas, <laughs> this casino is run by the mob. Dear God, so now you have to take down the mob. Yeah, you're just going to take down the mob for some reason. Well, you are 10 years old. So you go down through the four level, eh, four stories. Like, that's bigger than my high school. The high school I went to was three stories. Yeah. What the fuck, man? You go through those four levels of the mob and you defeat Giovanni and you get to take the Sylph scope, which he had stolen. And now you can see ghosts, which is pretty cool. Okay. And you run him and all the other rockets out of town. All the rockets. Every single one. The game corner is restored. The casino is now the communities again. Peace has been restored to the region. Yes. <laughs> So before you go ghost hunting, <laughs> sure, you beat Erica, the Celadon City gym leader who specializes in grass type Pokemon, and you get badge number four. How many badges are you going for? Eight. So Eight. we're halfway there. All right. So back in Lavender Town with the Sylph Scope, you can now identify and battle ghosts, which is great. And you get towards the top of the tower, which is seven stories tall. Seriously. And one of the more unusual ghosts stops you from reaching the very top floor. Unlike the other ghosts you can now identify, which are, you know, Ghastly, Haunter, and Gengar, the really only three ghost types in Gen 1. There have been a lot more ghost types since then, but these are the most iconic ghost types. Okay. This new ghost just appears as ghost when you encounter him. And then it's soon to be revealed to be Marowak. Oh. This Marowak was the soul of a Cubone's mother that was restless. And that is part of the lore. Like, Cubone is a little dinosaur guy with a skull on its head. And the Pokedex entry alludes to the skull being the skull of his dead mother. And that's yeah. why he's sad. It's weird. Like, that's another problem that I have with Pokemon and the Pokedex and shit. Is it like literally everyone that's born has the same thing happen? It 
they try to imply that, which is fucking weird. That's insane. Yeah. Like, every single Cubone is born to have a dead mom, which is sad. Which I guess, you know, we have the praying mantis where we talk about like, oh, when the praying mantis mates, it eats the head of their mate and shit like that. So right. I guess it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. It just seems like it has like this weird, tragic backstory. It's just real sad. <laughs> so after you defeat this Marowak, her soul is for some reason calm now after getting the shit kicked out of it, and she departs to the afterlife. Oh. So, so you, you fix it? They're, um, they're, You're so upset right now. Yeah. Their unfinished business was complete? Yeah, their unfinished business was to get the shit kicked out of them. All right. On the very top floor, there are a bunch of Team Rocket grunts, and you're like, God damn it. Well, you chased them all out of town. They had to go somewhere. So you beat them, and they're all like, well, shit. And they leave. (laughs) (laughs) So you chase them out of a second town now. It turns out Mr. Fuji stood up to them after seeing Team Rocket abusing Pokemon because, you know, he's the one that's running the orphanage and takes care of abandoned Pokemon. He's like, hey, fuck you for abusing them. Like, go fuck yourself. And they were like, fuck that, my guy. Uh, So they kidnapped him and took him up to the fucking thing. And he was trying to protect the Pokemon and they were surrounding him. It was a whole shit show. This is dark. So, yeah, you beat these three rockets that were trying to corner Mount Fuji. And he's like, hey, thanks for saving me. But I choose to come here to soothe the restless soul of Cubone's mother. But it seems like she's cool now. So we're cool. (laughs) Thanks for that. The end. As a thank you for this weird rescue attempt, he gives you a poke flute. Flute? Yes. Okay, what does the flute do? What most flutes do. It plays music? It plays music. The poke flute specifically in the game is literally a flute, but it wakes up sleeping Pokemon. Ah. So if you run into a Pokemon who's sleeping in the wild, you can play the flute and they'll wake up. Or if you're in battle and a Pokemon causes your Pokemon to sleep, you can play the flute and you can wake them up. Okay. Which is extremely helpful because otherwise you'd have to buy Awakening, which is kind of like a smelling salt in game or when you see it visualized. But it wakes up sleeping Pokemon um, and it's reusable, which is amazing because there's things like burn heal for when you're burning and you have to buy those. There's antidote for when you're poisoned. You have to buy those. This is a reusable thing that helps clear a status. That's cool. Yeah. So it genuinely is very helpful. Our next stop from this is Saffron City. Saffron. Now that sounds more like a spice than anything. Yeah, this city has a fighting dojo, and while you can't win a badge, you can win a Pokemon if you defeat everyone. So Mm. this is another situation where someone will give you a live creature for beating a goal. Hey, that's weird. It's super weird. (laughs) The Saffron Gym is run by Sabrina, who loves psychic Pokemon. Her gym is a complicated teleportation puzzle that you have to solve to get to her, so you have to step on... These blocks in a specific pattern to get to where she is. Portals? Portals. Nice. (laughs) She also has one of the most wild anime episodes in the Pokemon series. She's like a little girl who's possessed by a ghost and has to calm her inner child. And she takes Brock and Misty and Ash and makes like plays with them as dolls in a dollhouse. It's fucking crazy. Wow. Some voodoo shit going on. Yeah. This was a Saturday morning cartoon. Lovely. <laughs> so the other thing in Saffron City is the Sylph Company, the group that made your Sylph Scope that helps you see ghosts. 
But, oh no, Team Rocket took over the company and of the course. president is being held hostage by Giovanni. So we go from Shawshank Redemption slash real life Las Vegas to mm, Die Hard. Like, why is their only plan constantly just kidnapping? You know, it's, uh, okay, so maybe it's pain and gain. Right. Where they just keep kidnapping <laughs> people and trying to take their assets. Right. Yeah, a lot of things are derivative of Gen 1 Pokemon games. <laughs> I guess Die Hard was prior, but, you know, we'll roll with it. Yeah. There are 11 stories of the buildings here, which use the same transportation puzzles that Sabrina uses in her gym. So you have to step on a specific pattern to end up in a specific room. And again, 11 stories is a fucking lot. It's so, so many. It is Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yaka Pokemon Tower. That's good. As you fight to Giovanni and slowly liberate the companies floor by floor. You run into Stinky. Fucking fuckface ass Stinky. Like, is he working with them? Why does he keep showing up? Actually, is he working with them? No, oh. but... I don't know. He's 10. We don't know. <laughs> he just says he saw you in town and figured he'd see you here in a taken over battle zone of a building. Like, you are deep into this whole situation and he's like yeah i thought i'd see you here liberating this company <laughs> all right i'm just convinced that he's got a crush on you at this point he might i mean you've been baby rivals yeah he's seen you grow up you yeah. know he's in love <laughs> he's in love so you knock his fucking teeth in <laughs> <laughs> and he brags about beating the elite four the top trainers in the region when he's literally just got his ass beat by you. Yep. He's the worst. So after destroying all of Stinky's hopes and dreams, you do eventually make it to where the leader of Team Rocket, Giovanni, is holding the president hostage. The president. And Giovanni's like, hey, I know you. Leave me alone. I'm doing business with the president. And he tells you to leave or... This is a direct quote. Experience a world of pain. A world of it. Also, just as a note for clarity, there's no voice acting. You're just going beep, beep <laughs> oh. whenever the text goes through. So it's I'm going to I'm going to mess with the intonation. But yeah, he tells you he'll experience a world of pain. That's beautiful. So you drop the hammer on his ass. Right. And he's like, you fuck this all up. <laughs> That's not verbatim. But the, the world of pain was. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget, all Pokemon exist for Team Rocket. And oh. then he and all of Team Rocket are just gone in a flash. They also dipped out of town. Yep. The president's secretary thanks you for rescuing all of Sylph Company. And the president is like, well, I'm very rich. <laughs> <laughs> like, great brag. Thanks, buddy. Here's a Master Ball. Oh. A Master Ball, for those unfamiliar, is a Pokeball that will catch any Pokemon one throw, 100%. No problem. Yeah. So, really sick fucking gift. It's, it's pretty great. OP as fuck. OP as fuck. Still is to this day. The next stop is Fuchsia City, land of the poison Pokemon. Poison. The trail you get is pretty fun, though. So, you have to take a bike trail, and you run into a biker gang <laughs> that just occupies the bicycle trail a bicyclist gang okay but they are all on bicycles but they have mohawks and leather jackets and shit oh so they're dressed up like harley riders on bicicletas oh my god <laughs> which is pretty great these fucking 
cornball ass. Cornball ass. The Fuchsia City Gym is pretty cool because it's a maze with invisible walls you have to get through. Like, you have to tilt your screen to kind of see where they are, but oh, wow. it's pretty neat. So this is badge number six. You're feeling pretty good. Next up in town is the Safari Zone, which is a catch area with exclusive Pokemon. You can do some hunting challenges. It's it's actually a really cool area. There's some exclusives like Scyther's the only, this is the only place where you can get a Scyther. Okay. Really cool. I love a Scyther. Um, I have a hundo percent Scizor in my Pogo and I love him. <laughs> For badge number seven, we're going to take to the sea. To the sea. And again, we're only getting eight, so we only got a couple more badges to yeah. go. Hope you're all following me on this <laughs> insane rabbit hole. We're, 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 we're getting there. We're circling the drain. So you teach one of your Pokemon to swim. You sit on its back and you ride it through the sea. <laughs> Wait, so you don't take a boat? No. You ride a Pokemon? Well, in all fairness, there's only one boat captain you've met and he hates sailing. That's true. He, is sail- he gets seasick. He gets so seasick. So you ride your Pokemon through the sea, and through the sea there are floating swimmers that fight you in the ocean. More feral ocean fighters. Feral ocean fighters is such a good (laughs) band name. (laughs) Fuck, that's punk as shit. Uh, So you come across in the open water like this crazy cave puzzle called the Seafoam Islands, and they're connected underwater. It's like it's supposed to be Hawaii. Oh, okay. And you need to make it through, and then it's smooth sailing to Cinnabar Island. Cinnabar. Isn't that beautiful, Cinnabar? Cinnabar is a small island that has a gym, a research lab, and a decrepit mansion for some fucking reason. Well, yeah, it's got to be falling apart. The doors to the gym are locked, so now you have to investigate to figure out what's going on so you can get your gym badge. In the research facility, there's a couple of scientists who want to trade, and... There's one who will take your fossil and revive it to be a living Pokemon. Oh, wow. Just like Jurassic Park. That fossil from way back when. Yeah. Nice. So it comes around, but that that's the plot of Jurassic Park. A little bit, yeah. This game is a love letter to the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to explore the decrepit mansion because, you know, the I scientists mean, were just doing science. You mentioned it. I figured we were going. Wouldn't that be great if it went to nothing? <laughs> <laughs> this just didn't pay off. Right. So apparently some of the scientists were doing Pokemon experience there and a test subject got loose and destroyed the mansion. A test subject, human or Pokemon? Pokemon. Okay. So the on-site experiments were halted. This story is told in loose journal entries found in the mansion. So oh, I don't think this counts as a full Bioshock. It it can't because it predates Bioshock really, but it really is a Bioshock. But you are getting lore dumps in the in collectible, findable yeah. pieces of material. But they're not audio. They are just readable. So take a sip. Yeah. Maybe just a root beer or, or like a ginger beer. You <laughs> it know? is a kid's game after all. Nothing too hard. Yeah. <laughs> just a root beer. It's fine. This is indeed the story of Mewtwo as depicted in the first Pokemon movie. Uh. In the first Pokemon movie? Yeah. I did see that, like, in theaters. Yeah. Oh, there is also a lot of that lore in the Detective Pokemon movie that we... Excuse me, Detective Pikachu movie that we talked about a bit earlier. Yeah, I do remember that, because I remember after seeing that being like, some of that I feel like came from that first Pokemon movie, but... Oh, yeah. In the entire Mewtwo part, uh, there was no political drama. (laughs) 
<laughs> like there wasn't a weird CEO obsessed with staying alive forever. There right. wasn't a ditto assistant, which was such a good fucking twist. Oh my god. Uh, anyway. <laughs> So in the mansion, there's burglars looting the place, which is kind of a cool little thing. And you find a secret key to the Cinnabar gym deep in the mansion, because that's a good place to hide it. Well, yeah, I imagine the richest person in town would own it, I guess. I guess, yeah. So once you find the key, you can dip out of the mansion and battle the gym leader. And the gym is run by Blaine, who lives on a small island surrounded by water and loves fire Pokemon. Fire Pokemon. Yeah. The Islander. Yeah. Okay. He lives on an island, fully, like a small island, and the nearest thing, a bunch of other small islands. He's not just like in a peninsula. He's not fucking just right there by the, by the mainland. He's fully, I, I only see ocean for days, and he's like, I love fire Pokemon. You know, they'd probably be very useful on a, a desert island. I guess so, yeah, for making fires and things like that. But, you know, maybe a flying type. Yeah. For supplies. Or the swimming kind that took you home. Yeah, now he's just stranded because he loves fucking fire Pokemon. (laughs) Sweet idiot. So Blaine also loves trivia. (laughs) Sure, who doesn't? (laughs) So in his gym, you have to answer Pokemon trivia to open doors through the gym to make it to Blaine. Now, are these reasonable questions that you would have picked up the answers to over time, or are you going to need to, like, look at your Pokedex? Oh, no, these are pretty reasonable. Okay. But if you do get any of them wrong, you have to battle a trainer, which is kind of cool. Okay. He just loves quizzes. Uh, (laughs) After you beat Blaine, you have seven of the eight badges. Oh, good. So exciting. So, like I mentioned earlier, the first gym you encountered was in Vermilion City, and it was locked. So... We made a full circle around the map. We are coming back to Vermilion City, and we are going to bust our way through. So you hoof it back to Vermilion, where it's actually unlocked, and the leader has finally returned. Oh, good. And you go through all of the gym trainers, and you make your way to the gym leader, and you realize it's an old friend. Is it your rival? It's Giovanni. It's Giovanni? The mob boss. Oh, goodness. He says, Fwaha! This is my hideout. Fwaha. Which is very, like, James Bond villain. Yeah, I was going to say, like, mustache twirling villain. Here's my lair. (laughs) And he says he plans to resurrect Team Rocket again. You know, because you kicked the shit out of so many people, they quit Team Rocket. That's amazing. You dismantled the mob. His entire organization is done because of a (laughs) 10-year-old. feral child yeah he calls himself the greatest trainer and once again you kick his ass honestly like all these people have such inflated heads and red is a 10 year old child fresh out of the house just whooping the shit out of everybody exactly so when you beat him he's just like wow that was intense you won here's your badge and he's surprisingly cool oh (laughs) like and says since you beat him, he can't face his underlings and decides to disband Team Rocket. So, like, you really do manage to just destroy Team Rocket. Entirely. He literally can't look at his underlings after you kick the shit out of him. And he says he'll dedicate his life to the study of Pokemon. He lost all his morale. You made him go back to college. Yep. So he says farewell and he just fucks off. <laughs> And now you can challenge the Elite Four and attempt to be just the best Pokemon master. 
I mean, it already sounds like you are. You're beating the shit out of everyone. Yeah, like, but you want the crown. Like, That's let's true. fucking go. As you head to Victory Road on the way to challenge the Elite Four, you run into Stinky on his way to challenge the Elite Four. What has Stinky been doing? Because it's not like he's going around beating gyms as well. Yes, he is. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's not doing them at the same time as you. It's kind of implied that he hits the gyms a little earlier than you do. Oh, okay. But, yeah, you don't see him except for when he shows up to challenge you to a duel. All right, let's do it, Stinky. So as you run through, you run into him, you beat him, and he says, that was a warm-up. You need more practice. Which, like, you kicked the shit out of him. I mean, sore losers will sorely lose every time. Such a fucking baby about it. So, Victory Road is an absurdly long cave and sea and mountain adventure. Like, it's actually a really cool culmination of a lot of other territories that you've gone through in the game. And you get to battle the Elite Four to be crowned the champion. You fight Lorelei, who has ice Pokemon. Mm. Bruno, who has fighting Pokemon. Agatha has ghosts. And Lance. The biggest dick swinger of all who specializes in dragon Pokemon. Oh, what are dragons weak against? OP as fuck. Dragons are weak to dragons. That's it? <laughs> in this, honestly, the only Pokemon worth fighting dragons with are other dragons. Like, your best bet is to bring another Dragonite in, and it's it really fucking sucks. This meta was hard. Yeah. Uh, there weren't a lot of great matchups. There weren't a lot of, like, dual class Pokemon, so to speak. Um this one was tricky, not gonna lie. Okay. I mean, I've done it. <laughs> like a lot. Like a lot, <laughs> yeah. So after you beat them all, the champion's room opens, and Stinky's there. Fucking Stinky. Now, like, again, how did Stinky get there? Moments before you beat the Elite Four, he beat the Elite Four. Sure he did. And before the seat is even fucking warm, you dethrone him and become the new reigning champion. Hell yeah, fuckface. <laughs> So he's literally like, I won. And then you come in and you pull the rug out from under him. And honestly, you might be the antagonist. <laughs> you kind of are. I mean, I can see why Stinky does not like you. Yeah, because you keep kicking the shit out of him and being better at everything he wants to be. It's really just a jealousy issue at the end of the day. So speaking of, Professor Oak comes out to congratulate you. Where the fuck did this guy come from? Is he done banging your mom? I think he's done banging your mom. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like... He's like, my fucking grandson just got dethroned by this asshole who dismantled the mob. Good for you. This asshole, bitch, you sent me on this cruise. Yeah, so Professor Oaks just comes out to congratulate you and ignores his fucking grandson who just got the shit kicked out of him. Well, yeah, why and would you like, support you a it. loser? <laughs> <laughs> Dishonor. The wrong grandson died. <laughs> He's like, well, you fucking lost, so who gives a shit? But it's great, because now Professor Oak knows your name. <laughs> Still doesn't know his grandson's name. Just fucking stinky. Professor Oak takes your Pokemon team that you took to beat the Elite Floor with and logs your Pokemon into the Hall of Fame. Fuck yeah. And the credits roll. Oh, so good. So good. And there is some after game, you know. There's always going back out to try and catch more Pokemon, to... You, I believe you can re-challenge the Elite Four, so you can keep grinding there. Okay. Um, your Pokemon cap out at level 100. Reasonably by Elite Four, you should be level 60 to 65, so you can always grind a little harder. Um, I have hundoed out my starters before. I for sure did hundo out my Blastoise, um, and I'm sure a Venusaur at some point. 
there's a lot of different kind of challenges you can do, especially in the safari zone, like I said, where the scythers are, where you can get the biggest caterpie of the day and like win some shit. Uh, there's fishing things where you can go out and catch magic carp. There's little mini game sort of things. There's some stuff you can do in an after game, but honestly, kind of after you knock through that, there's not a ton of post game. So okay, it's fun. You can leave your save file out just to trade for friends and stuff. But yeah, that's the meat of it. Who's your favorite uh, Gen 1? Oh, does it have to be one I have tattooed on me or no? No, it doesn't have to be. Is that stupid if I my favorite Gen 1 is one I don't have tattooed on me? Not really. Because it could have a really dumb design, but it's like also an awesome Pokemon. Yeah, I do love a Snorlax. Do you? He's the big boy that sleeps. <laughs> I feel him. Um, I've seen beanbags of him that people lounge on, which I think are so cool. Right. The two Pokemon I do have tattooed on me, and I will put pictures up, are Pikachu, which my friend Gordo in Northridge did. It's a very old school looking one. It's kind of him coming out of a rose. And then my friend Coda Mew on Instagram in Denver did a Magikarp on me. And she was doing a project where she wanted to tattoo the whole Gen 1 roster. So she was doing specials on them and trying to document it. It was really cool, uh, but... Man, those are my two Pokemon tattoos. And my Wario tattoo is bigger than both, for what it's worth. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> ah, big Wario. But, yeah, I got Magikarp because I was just like, man, he's fucking great because he's so underestimated. And he comes out swinging as this insane water dragon, which is so fucking OP. Right. <laughs> and it's so good. And you have and to kick him. Canonically, for a lot of people in Gen 2, the red Gyarados is the first shiny that a lot of people encounter. It's like the first guaranteed shiny you can get in a Pokemon game. Obviously, that's Gen 2, but, you know, there's still a lot of lore around it. There's magic around Magikarp. It's pretty great. That's pretty good. Yeah, I am a lifelong Pokemon fan. I still play Pogo. I still play the main series. It is a part of me. I do want to catch them all. You know, I fuck with it. It's been great. Um, There were a lot of really great videos on YouTube that I pulled this from. I went through the Game Freak website. I went through a couple of their press releases and interviews and things to get all this together. But truly, probably could have done 80% of this episode out of my head. <laughs> but, uh, when you know it that well. Yeah. So this was my first game. And then I frankly just never got... Uh, I think I got a hand-me-down PS1 after the PS2 came out from my cousin who was just like, I don't need this shit anymore. And then I fell out of gaming until, you know, our another one of my episodes is coming up. I think we teased it last week, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the Wolf Among Us is coming up, and I'm so excited because that's when I got back into gaming, and now I can fucking run through GTA V with opinions, and yeah. I have so many new boyfriends out of it. <laughs> Not just Dr. Gordon Freeman. Not just Dr. Gordon Freeman, also Trevor. Yeah, also Dr. Ratman. Dr. Ratman. Oh, I've got all these just educated boyfriends i gotta beat up a lot of dudes <laughs> no you don't okay good <laughs> all right so that is it i think we caught all the pieces of plot lore and more for gen one of pokemon i hope you all had fun i will spare you me doing the poker app if you want to hear a really great poker app though just to plug it Polygon's Unraveled series with Brian David Gilbert is, first of all, amazing. Second of all, he does an episode of an updated poker app through the current gen that he filmed it in, which is like six or seven hundred Pokemon. And it's fucking beautiful. 
That's a lot of Pokemon. It's so many Pokemon. What's your favorite Pokemon? Mine? Yeah. Swadloon. He does look like a clitoris. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite from Gen 1? From Gen 1? Yeah. A Pikachu? I don't know. <laughs> You're like, fucking Mickey Mouse is a good Disney character. Yeah, I don't exactly. Know. I don't know. I don't know Gen 1 well enough at all. That's fair. Ugh. All right, Goombas. All right, my friends. Stay out of the caves. Yeah. <laughs> and hop on your favorite uh, Pokemon's back and go for a swim. Yes. And after you get back from that, uh, if you had a good time, please feel free to email us. Our email address is in the show notes. Our social's in there. And if you had a good time with us, we'd love if you leave us a review. We do like hearing what you like. And uh, if you have any suggestions for upcoming games, we are all about it. I'm absolutely getting some games on this season that you guys have requested. And I love reading your emails. It brings me so much joy. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're in Las Vegas for the amazing con, come by and see us. Yep, we will be in Artist Alley giving out sweet high fives and nothing else because we are not allowed to sell things in Artist Alley. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we are allowed to hang and it'll be great. Yeah. All right. Until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.